All right. Well, yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have a wonderful time tonight. Just the talent, the creativity, the commitment, the effort that goes into this is just God knows who you are, and He's gonna bless you for it. That's for sure. That's for sure. All right, John chapter 19 this morning. Ready to get into the Word of God? John chapter 19. Still in our series in John, taking us a little bit to get through. I I hope as we go through the Bible like this, and as as, as the Lord reveals truth to my heart and as I bring it to you, that it's not just the pastor up here preaching, but I'm kind of giving you an example to follow as well. That as you would open up the book, and as you would read a passage and pause before the Lord and say, God, what are you saying through this? What are you saying to me? That, that it spurs you on to not just, uh, you know, have a little snack, and the snacks again, on a Sunday morning, but that you're eating all week long. Because the Bible is, it's personal. It was written to every one of us. And this, this is the main way that God speaks to us, is through His Word. When we open it, we sit before Him, and we meditate on that Word, and we pray through it, God can speak to our hearts and change our lives. Amen? So, John chapter 19. We are in the Passion Week. Uh, sorry, couldn't coincide this with Easter. It's actually we've we've been through the Passion Week a lot longer than we would have uh, anyway. But uh, so Jesus is before the ruling council of Israel. They have two illegal trials at night, right? When they weren't supposed to be held, and they condemn him of blasphemy because he is a man claiming to be divine. So they condemn him for the sin of blasphemy, which is a capital offense in Israel. But, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, Israel did not have the power to of execution. Okay? That was a power taken away from them because they were under the control of Rome. One more way that Rome said, you, you, you belong to us. You can't, you can't do that anymore. So, uh, so they had to bring him before Pontius Pilate. And Pilate interviews him and different things going on. And uh, so he's already said, uh, we talked about last week by his own lips, he says, I I don't find anything wrong with this guy. I I don't see him uh, guilty of anything, especially uh, deserving of death, and uh, Pilate's trying to release him. Uh, So let's join back in John 19, beginning of verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. 
When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. And they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. Father, speak to us today through your word. We thank you for it. Through Christ we pray. Amen. I want to bring a message to you this morning entitled, Behold Your King. Behold Your King. As we said last week, Pilate found no grounds to condemn Jesus to death. Actually tried, the Bible says, numerous times to free him. Well, not actually free him, which he could have done, right? He could have just released Jesus. Um, but what he was trying to do is to convince the Jews to release him. That way, they wouldn't cause a stir against him, right? Um, and put his job in danger as the keeper of the peace. So he wanted them, they wanted him to, you know, kill him. He wanted them to release him. So now look what Pilate tries to do as uh, um, he, he has Jesus flogged. That is a very nice way of saying they took the cat of nine tails. If anyone's seen The Passion, you know what I'm talking about. They took the cat of nine tails, right? Leather straps with bits of metal and pottery embedded in them and beat him until, well, there's children here. I'll, I'll spare you the gory details. Just let's say it was horrendous, okay? He had them flogged. That's what a Roman flogging was. So he has him flogged, and um, then the soldiers, they weave that crown of thorns, probably about an inch long, right? And they don't just set it on his head. The other gospel says they actually uh, beat it into his head, okay? So just horrible, horrible situation. Then they put a purple robe on him and begin to mock him. Now, purple in those days was considered the color of royalty. It was probably one of Pilate's old robes or whatever. Um, probably wore it twice, and now it's old, you know. Um, but that's what they, they put on him, and they bring him out, you know, in this robe with the crown. Beaten and bloodied, mocked, scorned, and helpless. And Pilate says... Behold the man. Behold the man. In other words, look at him. Look at him. This is no king, right? He's no real king. He's nothing big. He's no threat to anyone. He's just a man and a thoroughly crushed man at that. Look at him. All right? 
certainly no one's going to follow him after this. And he's been punished severely. He's not going to try this again, believe me. So why don't you just let him go? Why don't you just let him go? Follow where he's going here? In his own twisted way, right? I mean, he has the man flogged. But in his own twisted way, he's trying to get Jesus released. By, by showing him beaten and broken. He's no threat. Let him go. Matthew tells us that Pilate's own wife had had a dream about Jesus where she was just woke up. Just You ever have one of those dreams? You wake up, the emotion's still there. She says, don't have anything to do with condemning this man. I suffered much in a dream because of him. Right. So Pilate um, brings him out. And um, he hears that Jesus has called himself the Son of God. And the scripture says here, he was even more afraid. Who is this guy? Who really is this guy? Pilate's been around Israel for long enough to know of the prophecies and the coming Messiah and how powerful he's supposed to be and all of this. He's going, he doesn't look like it, but I don't know. These Jews are kind of weird. They're kind of different. I've heard of miracles and different things, you know, so just maybe, right? So he's trying, behold the man, trying to let him go. But the Jews, Jewish leaders obviously were having none of this, none of his release. They wanted him dead, and that's all there was to it. First, they point to their own law of blasphemy, right? This is the grounds. You, you've got to crucify him on the grounds. This is our law. He's condemned to death. He's blasphemed. A man claims to be divine. It's a capital offense. So then Pilate says, okay, fine. That's your law. Take him yourselves and crucify him. Right? He wanted out. Then he hears again that Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, so he goes back. Goes back in his chamber there. Talks to Jesus again. Verse 9, where are you from? Where are you from? Talk to me about this. What do you mean, son of God? What's, what's this all about? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, Will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Now let me take a quick detour here because I, I, think, this is, I think this is important. Remember how Jesus said, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, no man takes my life from me. I give it up willingly. right? Or as he told the disciples in the garden, don't you know that I could call a legion of angels right now? But I'm not going to do it because this is the cup that the Father has given me to drink. This is why I was born. This is why I came. right? And, and, and let's remember that in the Old Testament, one angel took out an army of like 100,000 guys. Okay, So he's talking about a legion of angels all right, that he could call. So, does Pilate really have authority over it? No. No. And the point is this. Pilate had authority over God's Son because God gave it to him in order to accomplish God's own purposes. Okay? And the same holds true for the rest of God's children. Okay? Which is a whole other message in itself. But I want you to know that today. Nothing that comes against you and me 
comes at us directly. It has to go through the hand of God first. Didn't Jesus say, my sheep, right? They're my sheep and no one's going to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Nothing is going to come at us that doesn't go through the Father's hand first. We need to know that. If God allows it, God has a purpose in it. Although a lot of times when we're going through stuff, we don't always understand that purpose at the time, right? But if he allows it, he has a purpose in it. And he also has a plan to reveal his goodness and faithfulness in it. We see it here with Jesus, don't we? It looks like it's just a horrible thing happening to Jesus. Not even his Jesus' own disciples didn't understand it. Wait a minute, he's the Messiah. He's going to set up his kingdom and all this kind of stuff. Look at him. I don't get it. How is this happening to him? That God worked miracles through him and all this kind of stuff. Why is this? I don't get it. But God had a plan, didn't he? A plan greater than anything they could have imagined to bring salvation to the human race through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Not just set up a little kingdom in Israel, right? God had a plan. And when stuff comes into our lives, God has a plan. God has a purpose. And God will. We trust Him. We hold on. Persevere. Pray through it. Don't take it all into our own hands. God's going to reveal His goodness and His faithfulness in it. Amen? Okay, back to the main road. From that point, the Bible says, Pilate sought all the more to release him. But the Jewish leaders were insistent. And if they couldn't get what they wanted by their law, right? Their law, we have this law, they couldn't get it their way, now they're going to get it another way. Look at verse 12. If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend, for everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. Now, it's a different story. Now, Pilate's in trouble with his own people. If he lets this man go, who has just been testified, opposes Caesar... Pilate's letting go and, and a, a, rebel, a rebeller, a, an insurrectionist. Uh, you know, he, he's letting this kind of, and you, that's going to go up the chain. And it's going to make it all the way to the emperor. And they have just put a potential noose around Pilate's neck. Are you with me? He, he, he can't let him go now. No way, right? Not and keep his job. Not and, and not be you know, ridiculed, put his whole future in jeopardy. So he goes to his special seat, Gabatha, as it's called, where he usually pronounces his judgment, right, in the cases that are brought to him. And he says this, now watch this switch here in verse 14. Behold your king. Behold your king. Before he said, behold the man, right? Beaten, battered, bruised, broken. And now he says, behold your king. Just in case, Pilate's thinking, I don't really know who this is, but just in case, right? Just in case he really is, okay, here he is. What do you want to do with him? What do you want to do with your king? And to get what they want, verse 15, look what they say. This is huge. 
The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. I'll be nice to the equipment. Mic drop. Look at that. We have no king but Caesar. These are the chief priests. These are the highest level of religious leadership under God, right, in Israel. From their own lips, we have no king but Caesar. I hope we can grasp the enormity and the gravity of those words. Because it's been understood from the time that God brought them out of Egypt that ultimately, whether they had an earthly king or not, who was king over Israel? God Almighty. He was their ultimate authority. He was their ultimate sovereign. And look what they did. Look what they did with the rope that they were given, right? They went all the way. We have, this is our testimony. We have no king but Caesar. So convinced were they to get what they wanted. So zealous to get rid of Jesus and to hold on to what they thought they had. The chief priests actually renounced their allegiance to God himself. You see it. They were so caught up in their plan, so caught up in what they wanted, they would deny God to get it. And i got to tell you this morning, that even as I point at them, I have three fingers pointed back at me. And maybe at you too. Let me explain. When I came to Christ years ago, I received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Not just Savior, but Lord. What does Lord mean? It means Master. It means the one in charge. It means the final authority over my life, right? But there have been times in my life that I have denied that authority to get what I wanted, to do what I wanted, to say what I wanted. How about you? Times when I, not he, was Lord. Now let's think about this for a minute. When we received Christ in the beginning, think back. You heard the gospel, you received Christ. Did we behold a man? Did we give our lives simply to another fallible human being? No, of course not. By God's grace, we beheld our King. We beheld the Word made flesh. We beheld the One who was there at the beginning. Choice of songs this week. You know, He, he was there with God in the beginning in creation. And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we beheld His glory as the only begotten Son of God. When we heard about Jesus, we beheld our King. We came back into alignment, if you will, created with Creator, back the way it should be. We knew it was messed up. We came back into line and we felt like, okay, this is right now. He is God. I am not. I'm, I'm back where I should be. Right? That's what we did. And not only did we behold the King of glory, the all-powerful, all-wise God of creation, we also beheld the battered 
and bruised one who died on the cross for us. We beheld love itself, didn't we? And so what did we do? We gave our lives, right? We said, Jesus, be my Savior, be my Lord. You are this awesome, this good. Be it all for me. And we surrendered our lives to Him willingly, right? Gladly giving Him the reins because most of us did enough to mess up our lives. <laughs> Come on, right? We know what happens when we're in charge. So we say, yes, Lord. Be Lord. But then we get a case of the but I wants. But I want this. But I want that. Right? And the more we think about it, gotta have it. Gotta say it. Gotta do that. Want it, right? Just like Eve in the garden. She thought about that fruit. Don't know how long, minutes, hours, could have been days. It doesn't say, really. Seems like it happens in about 10 minutes, but we really don't know. She thought about it. Yeah. That looks good for that. It looks really tasty. And it's supposed to make me wise. But God said, yeah, but. But God said, yeah, but. It's just, wow. Man, even smells good from here. The more you think about it, the more you got to have it, right? Got to have it, got to have it. So she and Adam after her, Denied their sovereign, didn't they? And made themselves king. And I must confess, I have done the same thing. How about you? And sometimes it's immediately obvious that I've messed up. Right? Like it was for them in the garden. Uh-oh, big leaf time, right? Sometimes it's immediate. Yeah, I blew it. Other times the fallout happens over the course of time. And sometimes, sometimes it even looks like I get away with it. And God didn't strike me dead. Right? Oh, well, nothing happened. Hmm. The Holy Spirit is always faithful to tell me, Ron, you're about to cross the line. You're about to cross it. Don't do it. Right? He's always there. But I can reason that voice away. I can justify it. But I've got to have it. Got to have it, right? I can do that. How about you? And the real danger, the real danger is this that it happens again and again and again. And before you know it, God is not Lord of my life. My life. I am. I am. And he is relegated to a part of my life. Right? Let's call him the Sunday part. Right? Oh, he's still Savior because ah, he's, he's there when I need him. Thank you so much. But Lord, not really. That's me. And if we don't deal with it, if we don't deal with that attitude and we don't come back before the Lord 
with a repentant heart broken before Him and put Him back on the throne. It just gets easier and easier and easier to relegate Him. That's His part over here. The rest of it is mine. I don't know about you, people don't realize a pastor gets hit first, right? When he goes through a message, this is convicting to me. Because faith, real faith in Jesus Christ, is not just faith in what he did for us on the cross, it's faith in who he is. King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. So where is all this leading this morning? Is it leading to some perfect obedience that I cannot hope to attain in this life? No. But hopefully today, it will lead to a change in my attitude and maybe your attitude towards Him. That we would, when we think about Jesus, when we put our attention on Him, that we would behold our King. And when in those times of weakness we realize that we have dethroned Him, that we come back to Him. Hebrews 4, boldly before the throne of grace to receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. We come broken and we put that thing right again and we say, God, I'm going to put you back on the throne. You are Lord, not me. Daily if we have to, right? Thy will be done, not my will be done. As often as it takes, turn that thing around. Put him back on the throne. His place. Yes, he is almighty God. I mean, realize that, right? He is almighty God. He could just simply demand our subjugation, couldn't he? And he's entitled to it, and he could enforce it. He's twitching his little finger, right? He could enforce that. But he doesn't. You know why? Because he doesn't simply want our submission. He wants our hearts. He wants us to follow Him, to yield to Him, to submit ourselves to His guidance, His authority, His Word, because we love Him, because we reverence Him, because we respect Him, because we believe that He is who He is. And that He is faithful and true and will lead us in the way everlasting. Here, right? You're worthy of it. Not just because you're all powerful. That would be, you know, grudgingly, right? Be stronger, I have to... No, no. Because he's awesome. Because he is all wise. Because he's all knowing. Because he loved us enough to go to the cross. Lord, here is my heart. Here is my life. That's what he's looking for. And that through that faith, he can then bless our lives. Right? That's what He reconciled us to Himself for. So He could bless us. So He could lead us in ways that bless us and bless other people. That's the kind of faith that moved mountains. 
That's the kind of faith that draws other people to Him. I had to go to church today. I tell you, God is so awesome. This is what He does in my life. Right? So today, like Pilate, I bring Jesus before you. And I say, behold your King. Behold our King. How will we respond? Let's pray. Jesus, you are awesome. You are awesome. Not only do you know more than we do, not only are you stronger than us, but you love us with a love that just we, we, it's hard to wrap our brains around. That you, the King of glory, would condescend, humble yourself to die on a cross for us, to bring us into this relationship so that you can bless our lives. You are the King of glory. And today, Lord, we want to put you back on the throne of our lives. Thank you, Lord.